Welcome to Raising OKC Kids, Conversations with Metro Family in Oklahoma City. I'm Erin Page, and today, in honor of Bullying Prevention Month, I'm joined by Malcolm Tubbs to share with us the powerful anti-bullying, peace-building work of local nonprofit Heroes in Waiting. Welcome, Malcolm. Thanks so much for being here. Absolutely, Erin. Thanks so much for having me, and I'm really excited to talk about a little bit about myself, a little bit about Heroes in Waiting and the mission and the purpose that we're on to, you know, help transform the lives of the youth in and around Oklahoma City. You guys are doing amazing work. Um, I will start with a little bit of an introduction, although you are a man for most of our listeners and viewers who needs no introduction. Malcolm is a local journalist, the Thunder hype guy, and a new dad. He's also heavily involved with Heroes in Waiting, which is a nonprofit that provides free anti-bullying curriculum to schools, homeschool consortiums, youth programs, and other organizations that support children's development. The 12 lessons include engaging videos with Malcolm, class activities, and take-home exercises for the whole family. The program kicks off with an interactive, high-energy anti-bullying assembly led by Malcolm. So first, Malcolm, I would love for you to share with us why the mission of Heroes in Waiting is particularly meaningful to you. Oh, wow. Um, Honestly, when Jim and Susan Stewart, who... Um, are pretty much spearheading uh, a lot of what Heroes in Waiting is all about. They're the ones with boots on the ground, uh, you know, gathering donations, trying to meet with as many donors as possible. Uh, Jim, Susan, uh, Scotty, and Angie is a core group that I've been working with over the past few months. When they approached me about just having a conversation, introducing what Heroes in Waiting uh, was and who they are to me, uh, I was blown away really I think it was at a time where it was just a few months ago honestly I had the thought of I would love to get back in some capacity to tapping in with the youth and being who I always told myself when I was younger I want to be when I'm older the guy who I needed in my life Um, there was a lot of different father figures that I had growing up and having the opportunity that seemed to fit so perfect for uh, who I am and what I'm about and the mission that I'd like to spread to youth. Uh, that's what Heroes in Waiting is all about. So given the opportunity to be on board in some capacity to, to help be that person that I needed and that I wanted to be for the next generation coming up, it sounded like the perfect fit to the puzzle that I was needing, that I was missing. And I'm so appreciative of the opportunities that we are going to give to the youth in and around Oklahoma. And I'm just excited. I've been fired up since that first conversation. And I'm more excited about going into anti-bullying month and the rest of the school year uh, to help put in this curriculum and be a voice for those who might not know how to speak it, but give them the tools so they can do that, stand up for themselves, but also, you know, be a hero when those opportunities arrive. One of the statistics um, the Heroes in Waiting team shared with me that is just heartbreaking. Um, Students in Oklahoma who were bullied 
either at school or electronically, are 33% more likely to report signs of depression and 26% more likely to consider suicide. Those numbers are reported by the Oklahoma Department of Health. I am a mom of three kids, elementary and middle school age, and I unfortunately can attest to this rise of bullying in our schools that my kids, that their friends encounter every day. What is the big vision for how Heroes in Waiting can turn the tide on these statistics here in Oklahoma and even beyond? Um, first off, that statistic is staggering, right? When you hear those numbers and you think of how real and how close to home it is for kids to, 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 to know that they're suffering from mental health and having thoughts of doing something detrimental to their lives, you, you can't help but try at least to have a conversation, try to step up in some capacity as parents, leaders in our community. And I know it's tough for teachers and leaders and preachers and, and, and anyone else who, when you know a kid personally and you see a light in them and it's, you, it's hard to understand in their innocence how they could be dealing with something so, so severe. Um, but what Heroes in Waiting is all about is we're on a mission to contribute to the mental health of our youth, right? So it's personal to us, really. Um, everyone on the team either has a child or someone close to them who um, was affected by mental health in a serious way, you know? And we do that through giving kids tools to utilize when they need it to help combat or help with their mentality in some of these certain situations. So the fact that it's a free curriculum where it won't cost a dime to any of the schools or students who want to utilize the curriculum, um, first off, I think is huge. Of course, it being a nonprofit, but through our assemblies and encouraging videos for the kids to give resources, not only for the children in the school so they can take to their classrooms and to spread some of this knowledge to their peers, but also resources for parents and teachers to be able to know the right way to have those conversations with their children. And of course it starts with a conversation and then that conversation turns into a thought and an idea and that idea turns into um, the action, which is habit and then you know, before you know it, it's a whole different type of community that you're living in. And it all started with that one conversation or that one thought. So if we could be the plug of that one thought and just one kid, I think that trickling effect could be monumentous, right? But we also strive to teach kids empathy and understanding. And I think with so many different children and so many different walks of life and so many different ideals and, and mindsets that are in the classroom, it's hard to see someone as different and think it's okay sometimes for them to be different, especially when you're going through something that seems normal to you, to be able to understand empathy and understanding for your peers is huge, is so huge, right? And of course, you probably know this as a parent, you probably teach this to your children in some capacity, but um, a lot of parents don't know how to have those conversations or don't know it's okay or don't know how to go about doing it. So to give them 
the words, the verbiage, the ideas that may change their perspective for them to, to go in and tell their kids is, is another way that we're trying to, to help with the, the, you know, mentality of children. Um, and I think it's also important to know with this curriculum, it's tangible help, right? Because we don't know how to ask for help in a lot of these situations. And when upperclassmen or teachers are equipped with the right conversations, the right tools to help properly, I just think that's a start that has endless potential. Um, and with, with all of that, it's like with every aspect of the stigma of mental health being thought of in some capacity, um, why not use it? Cause it's free, you know? <laughs> One of the things that has just really, um, struck me as I've learned more and more about heroes and waiting is thinking about parenting. You know, I can, I can talk to my kids about empathy and peace building. I can share some of these messages with my kids. We can practice emotional regulation at home and uh, we prioritize all of that, but it takes a village, right? I, we can do the work in our homes, but when our kids are experiencing this at school or at church or in an after-school program, basically when my kids are hearing this information from anybody other than me, it makes a huge impact on them and it becomes much more normalized in society as a whole. So it's scary to me that yes, I can parent my kids to focus on their mental health. I can give them all the resources. We can go see their therapists, but what really makes a huge impact and kind of brings it all together is the opportunity for them to see somebody like you sharing this message for them to hear older kids in their schools, their teachers talking about feelings and talking about why they should prioritize their mental health. That really, as a mom, excites me that my kids have that kind of opportunity. I know you're the cool mom, of course, <laughs> but seeing someone else as um, a mentor, an idol, or someone that you look up to telling you the words that you've heard a thousand times, right? But maybe painting that picture in just a different way, of course, to where it clicks a little better or, um, you know, it, it hits a different part of your brain or your mind or your heart. Um, I, I totally agree. So again, trying to be that person that I needed when I wasn't listening to my mom or my grandmother, um, when I know they were telling me things that I can look back on now and be like, okay, you've, been, you've mentioned this a thousand times, but hearing that from the, the senior when I was a freshman or the upperclassmen, you know, for whatever grade I was in, it made more sense for whatever reason. It's so true. <laughs> so, um, and then is a lesson in humility. Constantly. Oh gosh. <laughs> My son is six months old now. So I'm, I'm learning. I'm, if anything, he's teaching me more now than I'd imagine I'm teaching him. So <laughs> been humbled a few times already. Yeah. It, it just keeps on giving. Um, but I also think there's some relief in that too. Like we don't have to be everything to our kids. We can't be, and it's okay for us as parents to rely on 
teachers and this village that we have created around us to help our kids grow into the people that they are supposed to be. You have mentioned several times having being that mentor for kids that you needed. Can you tell us about a significant time in your childhood, in your life where you've had a mentor, you've had a person that has really impacted you and that has continued to inspire you into this work? Oh, gosh. Um, so I guess to share a little more detail about my past, uh, grew up in Oklahoma City pretty much my whole life. However, my parents, my biological parents weren't always there. So um, my dad, I actually just met him for the first time um, about three years ago. And really cool uh, story there. But my mom was on drugs uh, on and off throughout my childhood. So I uh, was raised by my grandmother and we grew up in Northeast Oklahoma City. So I went to a few different elementary schools. I went to a few different middle schools um, growing up. And because of that, there was a lot of instability. I didn't really have a stable father figure in my life. Uh, up until I got to high school. So um, at the time I was in eighth grade, was in the Putnam City District. And this is when I started my, the first half of my eighth grade year at a charter school. And then the second half of my eighth grade year, we moved to the Putnam City area. So I went to Western Oaks, uh, go Warriors. And from there I graduated and went to Putnam City West. So freshman year, um, still staying with my grandmother and it was her, I, and my, um, two sisters, my younger sister and my older sister. Well, my older sister was a little older, was off to college. She went to Langston university and my younger sister was in middle school at, um, I guess Western Oaks as well, but, um, staying with her, I'm trying to make a long story short, <laughs> staying with her, um, she was all we had. And after I want to say the fall semester going into winter break, my grandmother actually passed away. So we were left um, at a home kind of with other family members in and out trying to take as best care of us as possible. I eventually ended up moving in with my cousin who was, I want to say in her early thirties at the time, married, and also had a kid. It was tough for me to get to Putnam City West from where I lived. So we moved in with her because she was a little closer to the district. Well, I was on the football team. I tried any and all extracurricular activities that I could to stay in school as long as I could so I didn't have to go home, especially dealing with, you know, every all the craziness that was at home. And my football coach at the time said, hey, you're staying out of district. You could go to another school, but I want you to stay at West. So if I could help and pick you up from your cousin's house to take you to school, I'll do that. It's not a big deal. Like, okay. Um, my cousin stayed less than five minutes away from where he was. So of course, him being a coach and a teacher, it was nothing for him to pick me up on the way to school. And we did that commute every day. Uh, 
he'd pick me up and sometimes he'd drop me off or my cousin was able to uh, pick me up from school, but I, I find a way. Um, and he made it to where I didn't have to find a way. Well, those car rides every morning um, in conversation, got a little more personal, got a little deeper, um, got a little more caring and understanding of the situation that I was in uh, to the point to where like it was a coach player relationship to a mentor kid relationship to really a father son relationship. And by the end of the school year, um, I, he asked me, Hey, we're hanging out a lot. Um, we're spending time a lot. You pretty much become a part of our family. I know you don't have a consistent family so we can be that for you. And they actually took me in. So it was weird at first being the player of my football coach, but then also going home with him and having a consistent family dynamic that I was just never used to. But as time grew on and, you know, understanding of love, compassion, um, really fighting for someone to be there no matter what, I knew that my coach, I still call him my coach, right? Um, was the dad that I needed, the dad that, um, yeah, I needed at the time, but I, I feel like I always wanted, and he's always been there for me and any and all situations. Uh, he also has a daughter and son who, I say that, but they're my brother and sister, and like blood could not make us any closer. He's been there for every major milestone in my young adult life, at my wedding, um, there on the day my son was born, was there for every tough conversation I needed to have. Um, so having him as a mentor, who's a true devout believer in Christ, but then also a leader for the youth, him still being a football coach, any and all advice that I need, I can call him no matter what, but having him to look up to has been huge for me in my development as a man. Um, and I, I couldn't imagine a better person to have in my life to help me in my walk, you know, growing up, because who knows where I would be now if it weren't for him and my mom, but then also my brother and sister and and in that family for sure that is such a powerful journey that you have been on thank you so much for your willingness to share i absolutely understand where your passion for this work comes from and why it's so important to you to be able to give back to other youth oh yeah um so understanding that because i had a crazy upbringing. Uh, there was a lot of inconsistency in home. For whatever reason, that just makes you a target for, I would say, bullying behavior. Um, or kids can easily spot the difference. Um, and because of that, you could be 
the butt of the joke. You could be made fun of for whatever reason that they come up with. Kids are creative. And because of that, um, I would say it gave me thick skin um, to where I could deflect some of that energy from me to whatever the situation or um, never really took it to heart. But, you know, you kind of some of those words stick a little harder than others. Right. And I realized that even though I have this kind of crazy testimony or story, it's not really unique. Um, I mean, it is to me, but at the same time, there's so many students who were raised in a single parent household, were raised with, you know, not the, the best means of upbringing, but didn't really know how to, or don't really know how to understand the feelings and emotions that come with all of that. And they may not be blessed with the opportunity that I had to have a family bring me in and out of that situation. So again, knowing that I have this incredible opportunity to be that person in some way for a kid who has a story that's not too far from mine, it kind of, I would imagine, give you a, a sigh of relief. Like, oh my gosh, I'm not the only one going through this. And because I'm not the only one going through this, I don't have to have complete negative emotions surrounding my situation because I know there's an opportunity of, of better down the line or even better now if I know how to change my perspective or see people in a different light or actually care for others despite what I'm going through. Um, all of that just hit me so hard finding out about Heroes in Waiting. So um, <laughs> I'm so excited about it. You are, you're such a powerful example for students who, many of whom recognize you and your success in life. And like you said, might be able to identify with some of the things that you have been through. So not only are you this incredible hype guy at these assemblies where kids kick off participation in Heroes in Waiting, but you're also sharing some of your story so that, again, they don't feel so alone. Tell us more what the atmosphere is like in these assemblies and how students react when you share this message that anybody can be a hero. Oh, man. So, of course, it's high energy um, because that's just what I'm going to do. <laughs> um, bringing, bringing some of that... Uh, I, if, if anything, I would try to describe it as taking you on a ride, right? <laughs> taking you on that roller coaster. So um, not only, you mentioned that I, I work for the Thunder and of course I'm on Fox in the morning, but I also work for OU as game day host uh, for the University of Oklahoma. And it's something about my boss, my manager at the Thunder described it as, you're an MC, which stands for Master of Ceremonies. So you can control the energy, control the vibe, um, and you just want them eating out of the palm of your hand, right? But um, that's kind of a little more off the cuff. Now, when it comes to the Heroes in Waiting assemblies, try to have them, you know, take the, the, the right crumb and the right bite at the right time, if that makes sense. So when I get them here to start, we're having fun. This is going to be an incredible, hopefully transformative experience for the next 45 minutes to an hour to where 
you are coming in one way and hopefully you can leave with a completely different mindset, a completely fresh perspective as to how you can operate and how you can, you know, move and walk in the world in regards to some of the people that you live with on a daily basis. I mean, you spend a lot of your time, probably most of your time for the, a lot of the students at school, more so than you do with your family at home for, you know, that fall or spring season of school. So, um, we're wanting to get them excited about how they can move and operate, but then also hit them with particular aspects of what it means to be unique, what it means to be yourself, but also what it means to love others for that uniqueness and for their individuality and to have them understand that you and how you are so wonderfully made is special, but the person next to you and how they were so wonderfully made, but also so completely opposite of you probably is still okay and still amazing for who they are, right? Um, but then give them like stories, give them uh, visuals, give them, again, I keep going back to the word, but tools, because I think of you got this, this handyman belt and you're able to pull out a particular item that you need, you know, mentally, spiritually, um, to be able to use when you, when it is best suited, when it's needed at the time. Um, so if you see someone maybe being made fun of or being ostracized or, um, maybe even treating you in a way, or you notice that emotion coming up in you to where you're thinking about, you know, treating someone differently to where when those thoughts or feelings or situation arises, you can check yourself because you've never thought to do that before. And now think, okay, I can do this differently because now I know that we're more alike than we are different. Even though we're completely different, I can understand that maybe this person is going through something or maybe I'm going through something. And maybe I just need a little more love and compassion. Maybe the person who is treating me in a negative way, I can flip the script and ask them, hey, I, I need something different from you right now. And giving them a little patience to accept that, or if they don't, to know you can walk away from it, as opposed to leaning into it and it possibly turn into something that you wouldn't have wanted at the end of the day that may leave you awake at night thinking about that wouldn't help with your mental health, but would probably hurt. So um, the assemblies are going to be catered and suited to give students the opportunity to see it firsthand, to hear how they can implement some of these changes in their lives. And again, they walk into that gymnasium or that auditorium hype and excited and they walk out hype and excited as well but in a different way because you thought you were going to get you know high energy and of course it is going to be that way but then you walk out with a high energy and a zest for life and a zest for for change and hopefully you know this again fresh new experience and in, in lens on how i can see the world and see some of my peers and teachers and interact with them in a completely different way than you were before
I think I need all of these lessons in my life. Is it's not too late for grown-ups, right? Oh, not at all. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> One of the things that I really appreciate about what you guys are doing is there's a lot of anti-bullying related information that you're giving students, but you're also, as you mentioned, teaching them empathy and emotional development. One of the concepts in the 12 lesson curriculum that really stood out to me, and you mentioned bullying behavior instead mm -hmm. of bullying, but this idea of really kind of changing our perspective, removing the labels of bully and victim, why is that changed perspective an important part of this program? Well, I think, I think it's easy to, and I've had to think of this myself, I think it's easy to like typecast someone uh, in a negative light. And um, I heard from a study, this is kind of me thinking off, but to try to bring it back on. Um, I read the study, I can't remember where from, but um, you can, you know, me trying to be a parent, you can talk about your kid in a particular way to other people or even to them and it it shapes who they are so say for instance um i say or even even myself i was i was always told um i'm kind of a class clown i like to talk uh he's just he's just being the funny guy he likes to talk um but he's a really hard worker and he can be lazy at times this is how my grandmother would talk about me you know bless her heart but um if there was ever a peer and teacher conference, that's what was said. And I would always think like, yeah, I guess I am the funny guy. You know, maybe I am kind of the class clown. I can't speak out of turn a little bit. Um, I wouldn't think I'm lazy. I mean, I do my work, but um, yeah, I try to work hard. And I feel like all of these particular phrases and sayings were said so often that it became who I am. So as hard as I like to work, I also like to relax pretty hard as well. <laughs> um, to where on the outside looking in, you'd be like, okay, he's kind of a lazy guy. Or um, yeah, maybe the class clown growing up, but I was actually voted class clown in high school. And I'm like, I didn't even try. It's just me being me, I guess. I don't know. Um, I say all that to say in a positive way, there are ways that we could talk about our children and mention to them. But in, of course, you flip the script in a negative way, it can't be as well. So you call a kid a bully, it becomes their personality or their, their character. So knowing that in a moment you exhibited bully behavior doesn't make you a bully. It just means maybe you didn't realize at the time or weren't able to understand the emotions that you were going through. Or if someone was bullying you, being able to understand that that person is probably hurting and the negative emotions that they're feeling themselves, they're trying to put on you. It's a cry for help in a way. It's them deflecting what they're feeling onto the next, next easiest victim. And that just so happened to be you at the time. So if someone's acting out, it may be because they're dealing with feelings that they don't understand. They need love, they need friendship, 
they need help and support. And you could be that person, even though you're the one that they're attacking or deflecting towards. It may be them saying they need a helping hand. Um, and, and you could be that. So I, I love how the curriculum states bullying behavior as opposed to, again, typecasting any kid or any person as a particular way because they're not that at the core. Of course, we're all loving. I think we're all compassionate. We all want to empathize. We just might not know how to do that the right way. And that's what this curriculum is for and what it's about. I love that. And I think, you know, if we all get really honest, we have all exhibited bullying behaviors in our lives. And I, I think that really helps kids and adults both consider the other perspective, um, whichever way you're coming at that. It's also, I think, easier for parents to consider, yeah, my child probably could exhibit bullying behaviors at time rather than my kid is a bully. Those yeah. feel very different. And I think it's important that we choose language that helps us approach these kinds of situations with curiosity and trying to understand versus just, nope, that's not my kid. My kid could never be a bully. Mm. Yeah. Um, that's so true. That's so true. I think being able to be real with yourself and be real, uh, and then this is for parents, teachers, and leaders, right? Um, I think when you see a kid in a particular way, because again, kids are creative, kids are really smart. When you see them in a particular way and how they present themselves to you, it could be completely different from what you hear and may notice. And you're like, okay, there's no way that's who they are because you've, you've thought in your mind, they're just this good person all the time because they're that way to you, of course. But the way they treat others may be a little different to, you know, get whatever out of the situation. Um, there's this uh, like influencer author that I've heard before. Her name is Tabitha Brown. She always says, you may have a bad day, but don't go messing anybody else's up just because you're having that bad day. So <laughs> I think of that often to where if kids and of course, even adults, because we're just big kids with more responsibilities, would believe that and understand that and live that, um, who knows how many bad days we could save by not ruining somebody else's. Well, that's good. I love that. You mentioned you have a six month old. Mm -hmm. What, when you think about heroes and waiting kind of in the long term, what's your hope for how the organization can help create a kinder, safer world where kids like yours and kids like mine get to grow up to authentically love themselves and others for who they really are. Yeah. Um, I kind of hit on this a little earlier, but I think it's so important to realize differences for what they are. And I mean, I feel like at the end of it, um, it's just kind of, if it's not hurting you, 
you can just mind your business. <laughs> like it's plain and simple. But what Heroes in Waiting is doing is giving kids the chance to maybe be a little more curious and inquisitive in the right way to where if you don't understand it, you can ask. If it is different and unique and you've never seen anything like it before, why not be curious in the right way as opposed to pushing it away? Why not welcome it with, it might not have to be open arms because everyone is different, right? With whatever background or upbringing that you are and, and how you've been raised, of course, could be completely unique to the, to the person um, next to you at the lunch table or in the classroom. But knowing that there are some very unique differences in the world and everyone does everything their own way to each their own. But if you want to understand someone, it starts with the questions. It starts with the, the right type of curiosity. And once you understand someone, you could still say, hey, this is different. Um, it's not for me, but that's okay. But that's okay. And... If I could try to teach my son anything, I had this conversation with my wife the other day, it would be to have the self-confidence to be himself no matter what, to be curious and excited about the adventure of, of maybe not knowing what the next steps are going to be, but being bold about taking those steps. And then also giving him the chance to like try it all, I guess. Um, one thing that my grandmother told me going to school my freshman year was try everything. These next four years of high school are going to be some of the most memorable experiences that you'll have in life and take advantage of every single opportunity that comes your way you're going to walk into the school one way and you're going to leave a completely different young man. But hopefully in that time, you will have grown and learned and met a lot of different people and learned so many different things that you can look back on and say you were thankful for. Now, you're going to go off to college or out into the real world and you'll probably forget about all of this, um, but they will shape you into the person that you'll become one day. So take advantage of it, but don't be scared of any opportunity. Don't worry about what the next person says about you because you know who you are. And I think in those words, having a curriculum that kind of paints the picture of what she was trying to say for the four years, but then also giving you the, 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 proper verbiage to have those conversations with others and to tell them that whoever you are and whatever you choose to do and whoever you choose to be, it's okay. Uh, be bold about those actions, but then know that if anyone says anything, don't have them sway you off the course of the life that you're meant to live and be accepting and loving of others for whatever life that they choose to live. To me, that is, encapsulates what is so powerful about Heroes in Waiting. 
there's lots of anti-bullying programs um, that, you know, really look at who is a bully, what is bullying behavior, what do we do about bullying? And to me, Heroes in Waiting takes things a step further to really promote what does peace building look like? Mm. What does emotional development and regulation look like? What does empathy building look like? And as a mom, to me, that that's what fixes the problem, right? We, we don't just want to look at how we can be anti-bullying. We want to look at how do we change this generation for good? And I know just like a lot of the things you mentioned, when I think about what's most important to me as a mom to teach my kids and to pass on to my kids, they would tell you, mom says to be kind. Mom says to ask questions. <laughs> it's those same things, getting curious and not being afraid of having hard conversations. And, you know, the rough thing about that is when you want your kids to learn those things, you have to do them yourself. Oh, <laughs> that's a challenge for me as a parent because I'm always thinking, okay, I want my kids to do this or be this way. Right. That means that I have to do those things and be those things for them so they mm -hmm. can see it be modeled. So as we close out today, Malcolm, tell us how families and parents like me can get access to these free lessons at home so that we can parent in these powerful ways. How do we get our kids' schools engaged with Heroes in Waiting or just support the wonderful work that you all are doing? Oh, wow. Well, that's an easy question. Um, probably the easiest one. Uh, really just first, uh, you can follow us on most all social media platforms, Heroes in Waiting, uh, but you'll find any and everything on the website, heroesinwaiting.org. So you can access the curriculum there, but there's also some encouraging videos. There's articles, you know, with helpful tips for parents and caregivers. Um, and of course, uh, one way, because this is a nonprofit, you can also consider contributing to the, to the mission because we, we are keeping it free, absolutely free is my favorite four letter word to any school, any organization who has a group of kiddos. Now this is, uh, specifically catered to like third to eighth graders. Um, however, there's curriculum suited for upperclassmen, of course, in, in parents and caregivers and teachers as well. So any group organization or school who needs this, which is every group, school or organization, um, won't have to pay a dime. Uh, but we can't do that, of course, without the donors and the help of some of the people who know how important this curriculum is and what heroes in waiting can be for our youth so um of course it takes the village like you said and we know the villagers got some got some dollars in their pockets so why not help <laughs> help us out a little bit um so you know we can have the right funding to continue this for for as long as we can Absolutely. So head to the website, all of our parent listeners. If nothing else, check out the curriculum for yourself and your family. There's an e-newsletter that you can sign up for so you can get all of the news coming from Heroes in Waiting. And then, yeah, check out that donate button too. That's, that's an important one. Malcolm, thank you so much for joining me today and for all the incredible work that you and your team are doing with Heroes in Waiting. 
Oh, absolutely, Aaron. Thank you again. And I'll, I didn't mention this earlier, but I love the the Thunderbolt earrings. You got me excited for the Thunder season. You know, <laughs> hey, I'm hey. a Thunder girl, so I had oh, to yeah. wear it today. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Join us next time on Raising OKC Kids. Thank you, guys.